This morning we launched a brand new series in the life of our church. Uh, it was called, it is called a, a Brilliant Disciple is a Winner of Souls. Uh, that simple thing, Teresa opened the series this morning and she preached an outstanding message. If you weren't here this morning, I want to encourage you, get, get that message through the podcast. Um, you are going to be great, greatly blessed. Uh, but I want to I start off tonight with sharing about how my soul got one for Jesus. Uh, when I was 15, 15 was the, the age that I became a Christian. I wasn't raised a Christian. I, was, I wasn't brought up in church. I didn't know really any Christians. The only Christian that I knew growing up was um, Crazy Susan next door that used to get angry at me. Uh, her name was Lynn, actually, but we'll call her Crazy Susan. But she would get angry at me because I'd kick balls over the fence and it would hit the, her window. So uh, as a good child, I got bigger rocks and threw it on her roof. And um, so anyway, I've, I have repented of that. Uh, but when I was being raised, I was, I, was, I was told the simple thing is that, oh, there is a higher power out there, but we don't really know what it is or who it is. And if you're kind of like a semi-good person, um, good things will happen once you die. And what I found was, funnily enough, my next door neighbors gave me an after-school job. They had a, a company that was fixing phones, so they must saw something in me. And um, they and what I didn't realize is that this business that I worked for after school was actually majority of them were were Christians, um, I, and I found out that they were Christians not because they preached to me, not because they had Bibles laying everywhere or scriptures posted on the wall, but I found out that majority of them were Christians by the way that they lived. And I, they weren't angry, they weren't swearing, they weren't uh, abusing drugs and alcohol, and that confused me a lot because that's what I was doing. I was a 15-year-old that liked to swear, liked, was super angry, liked to get in fights, and was um, abusing alcohol and drugs. <laughs> but they were kind, they were patient with me, they would often ask me questions, they seemed interested in me. They would ask me, what did I believe and why did I believe it? And I would often come back with them and go, well, what do you believe and why do you believe that? And uh, some days I just thought they were silly. And some days I thought, man, they're, they're, they're just living in a fantasy land. Uh, but it challenged me. It caused me to stop and ask questions about my own life. What am I living for? What, what is the meaning of life? Am I just going to have a wander through it aimlessly and hope that I've got it right in the end? Or do I, do I need to go searching and find the real answer? They used to, in their afternoon smoko break, they would go outside as a group and they would have a prayer meeting. Now, I didn't know what this prayer meeting was about, but I later discovered they would pray for every single person in the company that didn't know God, that God would do an amazing thing. They said they particularly spent a lot of time praying for me. And, and I believe that those prayers did help shift things in my heart. Uh, but one of the guys that I, I actually had a really good connection and relationship with was called Adam. And uh, Adam came to C3 Powerhouse here, 
and he invited me to come along to church. He invited me actually to come to a boxing match, uh, which was a part of an outreach church service. And so as a 15-year-old that has really great listening skills, uh, I heard boxing match and not so much the church part. So when, I, when he picked me up on Sunday morning, uh, I ended up in a church service thinking I was in a boxing match. As I sat in church, people stood and raised their hands. I felt awkward. They took up an offering. I just got annoyed. And then after the service, they cleared all the chairs in the, in the auditorium, put up some backyard boxing ring thing, and two guys belted each other out for a couple of rounds. And it was ridiculous. But I, I'll be honest with you, I can't remember the message. I can't remember the songs we sang. I can't even really remember the boxing match. But I do, I did, what I do remember is how I felt at the end of that day. I didn't give my life to God that day, but I remember feeling that these people are alive, that these people seem happy, filled with love, joy, peace, hope. They seem like they love me for no reason. And that's what stuck with me. And that was the beginning of my journey. My friend Adam would pick me up most weeks and take me to church. I remember often sitting in his car with a bunch of other guys as a 15-year-old asking questions about tithing or what is tongues and why do people lift their hands. And he would have a pretty good go answering those questions, but he didn't have all the answers. And that was okay for me. Two months passed and Adam has picked me up every week and taken me to church. And then there was a moment during our PM service, just like this. I was sitting in the third or fourth row. It was probably only, the church was only just this section back then. And I just remember sitting in my seat saying, I've been coming to church for weeks now. Maybe I should take a step of faith and invite God into my life and see what happens. At the end of the service, they, there was a call to invite God into their life, and I rose my hand. And they helped me say a prayer inviting God into my life. And, uh, oh, geez. <laughs> 18 years ago, this happened, it still wrecks me. I just remember feeling this overwhelming presence of God, this overwhelming wave upon wave of His love. And I, I left that Sunday service. I didn't know much about the Bible. I didn't know much about why we do everything in church, but I knew this one thing, God was real. He wanted to know me, and he loved me, and it changed my life forever. I knew it wasn't hype. I knew it wasn't adrenaline or even an atmosphere charged of emotion, as some people would call it. It was God that I met, and I'm grateful for the disciples God placed around my life that led me to ultimately have a relationship with God. And this is the place I want to share from tonight. 
I'm not sharing as some great evangelist. An evangelist is someone with a natural gift and passion and hunger to win lost people for God. I'm not sharing from that place, but I'm sharing as a person that has a burden to walk and act like the disciples God placed around my life that helped me find God, that my life would cause people around me to seek God, that my life would cause the people around me to question their journey, that my life would cause people to seek and ask questions and ultimately find God. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is on a mountainside. He's, he's having, a, having a rest on the side of the mountain, and all his disciples come and sit around him. And the Bible says that Jesus started to teach his disciples. And in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, we get a whole heap of truth bombs from Jesus talking to his disciples about how to live for God. And in chapter 13, uh, sorry, in chapter verse 13, he's talking about soul winning. He's talking about this is what God is, this is what a disciple is to the world. So we'll kick it off. <laughs> you are salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the salt of the earth. We are the salt of the earth. When we invited Jesus into our life, our spirit came alive, connected with God, and it changed us forever. And if we continue to go on that journey of seeking God, after that moment, we end up having this life that is alive and that is beautiful and that is overflowing with the goodness of God. And I love it because that was one of the things that led me to come into a relationship with God. It was a life. Uh, it was because I saw people that were alive with God, that were flourishing in their walk with God. Uh, you can't try and win people. You can't try and force people. Uh, it doesn't work that way. God saves people, and it's God in us that really shines, that causes people to see something different. And often, I, at times, it is really good for us as Christians to ask this question, am I flourishing in my walk with God? Am I flourishing in my walk with God? Or am I just going through the motions? Maybe complacency has slipped, slipped, in, slipped in. Maybe some wrong living has slipped in. That's caused my relationship with God to just kind of go downhill a little bit. But for me, one, I believe when we're flourishing in our walk with God, it is one of the most attractive things to people of the world that don't know Him. I believe that if we're flourishing in our walk with Him, people notice something different. Uh, I remember seeing these guys at work and I'm like, man, they're so filled with love and joy and peace and something in me. I didn't even know it, but something in me was like, you know, what? I want that. I want that. And I'm drawn to that. Why? Because that's how God intended to live it. Next part of the verse. But if the salt loses its saltiness. So Jesus has said, you are the salt of the earth. But then his next line is, but if the salt loses its saltiness. 
Pure salt, pure salt on its own never loses its saltiness. In the Bible times, they would often mix salt with other ingredients, either to preserve things, to cook things, or all these different types of things. But what they found is this, is that when they bought in something, when they connected salt with something, if there was a contaminant with salt, it would start to lose its saltiness. It would start to lose what it was intended for. I feel it's the same with us. When we contaminate ourselves with things that aren't of God, we can reduce our effectiveness for God. And if left unchecked, and this is a scary part of the scripture, ultimately be deemed useless for God. Here's a question for you tonight. What's contaminating you? What sin in your life that God has spoken to you about that you've left unchecked? Some of the things, confession time with Pastor Josh. Some of the things that God in my journey has dealt with that I've had to deal with. Uh, Number one, there's no particular order. Um, Number one is drunkenness. When I, when I was 15, I was, well, I was just getting drunk and smashed with all my mates. And when I was doing that, I was just making all these poor decisions. I was hurting myself. I was hurting other people. I was hurting things. And I remember, the, I remember it was like a night service. God spoke to me about, you know what? Having a casual drink with, <laughs> with a mate is okay. <coughs> but getting drunk actually hurts him. And I had to deal with that. God uh, dealt with my speech, still deals with my speech now and then. Swearing, how I speak of women, how I speak of my boss, how I speak of myself. God would often correct me in how I speak. Am I speaking life? Gossip, is it really helpful or am I causing someone to, uh, I'm just bringing someone down because of insecurity or pain. It's not helpful. God God checked me with unforgiveness. I remember I was a Sunday morning service and I heard a message about unforgiveness and all I could think about was how I couldn't forgive my dad. And God took me on a journey with that. These are all areas in my life God has spoken to me about that I've needed to deal with to grow or to maintain a flourishing relationship with Him. Now, I I want us to be clear, not to fall into the trap of perfectionism. Because if we are perfect Christians, there's no point for Jesus. If you're perfect Christian, you are Jesus. And I can guarantee you're not Jesus. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is, what, what are the nudges that you're hearing in church? What are the nudges that you're getting from the Word of God? What are the nudges you're getting from the Holy Spirit? And are you being obedient, obedient to them and going the direction that you need to go to live a godly life? Next verse. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Uh, the scripture, this scripture does not say, be a spiritual wrecking ball for Jesus. It does not say, get into dumb Facebook fights about how people are living. It does not say, smash people with the Bible. It says, let your light show. The way that we let our light show is by the way that we live. This is the way that we live is what creates opportunities to talk about God. I get up 4.30 most mornings. Some of you don't even know what that time is. Um, I get up 4.30 and I go to my F45 class. My class starts at 4.55 a.m. Now, it works for me. doesn't mean you have to do it, but hey, encourage someone to do it. But what I found is that that group of people is my prime group of people that don't know God. And I have to be switched on in that moment. Now, I've got a three-year-old. Sometimes she's a sleep terrorist. And sometimes I'm, I'm going to the gym and utter grump. I'm tired, I'm moody, I've slept funny, you know, I I don't know, poor me. Um, (laughs) And I can go in, (laughs) I can can go in the gym and can be, look intimidating, look grumpy, can be cold to people. But what I've realised in that moment is that that's not shining God's light. It means I have to live above my personal pain or my personal first world problems and go, you know what? These people don't know God. And this is my opportunity to love them and show them God. And you know what? I ask them how their week is. I ask them how they're doing. I tell them what I do. I pray for them. Occasionally, I get an opportunity to pray for them at the gym. And bit by bit, my, I, reckon, I reckon I have a theory. My, uh, my, the owner of the gym is going to come to church because um, he's the one giving me the most grief. You know, he's like, we're, we're, we're working out together the other day. He's like, oh, God. He's like, oh, I can't say that. Oh. Anyway, I'm just like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> but... Whatever sphere you're in, wherever you're going, show the light of God. Uh, I show the light of God when I drop my little girl off to daycare and there's a bunch of people looking after her. I go, how was your day? And not be a grumpy parent that's like, you know, banging out at them for everything they haven't done. But hey, how was your day? How did my daughter go? Is there anything that I can help with? Being a, you know, shining light that way uh, makes a huge difference in people's world. Couple of other thoughts, and then we'll wrap it up. I talked about how my friends used to run a prayer meeting, and they would pray for me. Uh, I think one of the most powerful things that we can do to see our friends and family come to Christ is actually pray for them. Um, on your seats is a prayer card, uh, and there is a way that you can pray for your friends. That a guide to that, and you can list out your names. There's ten people there that you can pray for, but you can do way more if you like. Uh, prayer shifts things so powerfully. The other thing, the other thing is my friend Adam. He would pick me up and bring me to church. Week after week, he would bring me to church. He never complained. It was out of his way. He would bring me to church. You know, in the next couple of weeks, or next couple of months, uh, we're launching this new series called Help Me. 
And it's a series that is just, it's, we're calling it friend-friendly services, where it's like, you know what, we're going to come and talk about anger, we're going to talk about anxiety, and it's a great service to invite your friend to. Then after that, we've got Jeff Wilson, Global Explorer, adventurer, coming to share his testimony about God. Uh, one of the most powerful things that you can do is actually going, hey, buddy, we've got this happening, I'll come pick you up. And bring him into the house of God and let God do the rest. Yeah, Amen. Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Father, that we are your disciples and that you've called us to be great soul winners, to be the salt of this earth to be the light of this earth. And Father, I just pray as I've shared my personal story, as I shared things that have challenged me over time, that you challenge each one of us tonight. That would help us to be greatest soul winners for you, God. Thank you, Father. While every eye's closed, if that's you tonight and you're saying, you know what, I need to up my game as a soul, as a soul winner. You know, I might have been a bit too casual with it. I might have been a little bit, I need to implement some things. If that's you tonight, you say, you know what, I can, I, can, I can up my game as a soul winner, whether it's big or small. I'd love for you to raise your hand up nice and high. Awesome. So many hands around this place. Great, you can put them down. While every eye's closed, I, I talked about earlier in my message about when I was 15, year old, 15 years old, sitting in a PM service just like this, I surrendered my life to God. I invited God into my life, and it was a moment that changed my life forever. You know what? I believe in this room tonight, there are people... There are people that don't have a relationship with God. There are people that have wandered, had a relationship, but wandered away. But you know tonight, you need to take a step of faith like I did and invite God into your life. If that's you tonight, and you know that you're not here by accident, you know that you're searching, you know that you need to invite God into your heart tonight. If that's you, I want you to be bold. Don't be hesitant to raise your hand up nice and high in this place. If that's you and you're saying, you know what, I want to invite God into my heart tonight. I want to open up. I see that hand. Awesome. Is there anyone else tonight? And you're saying, you know what, I need to invite God into my life. Awesome. We're going to pray for this wonderful young lady, but we're going to say a prayer together, inviting God into our lives. And the person that raised your hand, I just want you to say it as if you're saying it to God.
Dear Heavenly Father, all together, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for my sin. Tonight, I ask for your forgiveness. Wash me clean. I invite you into my life. Fill me with your love, your peace, and your joy. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give a big cheer to that person that gave their heart to God tonight. You guys are amazing disciples. You're amazing soul winners. And I'm going to have a hand it over to my twin right now, Isaac, uh, to close out the service. Oh, come on. Put our hands together again for Pastor Josh.